I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. ready. All right. <laughs> what is this? Are we? <laughs> Let's try uh, again. <laughs> who am I? Where, where am I? Who are you? Welcome back, everybody, to Macros and Mindset with Dr. Kristen. Yeah, and Patricia. Oh my God. Okay, this is going to be a crazy episode. I can already tell. So, all right. So, today, um, all right. This is like an episode one of emotional eating because we cannot fit everything into just one episode. So, another another episode in a far distant future, kind of like. Reminds me of like the Star Wars introduction, <laughs> where it's like in a far off land, four million light years away. <laughs> no, it probably won't be that far because we no, are no, heading no. into the holidays. But and oh, good gracious, all the stuff that's been going on here lately. But we're not going there. No, so, we're not. All right. So yeah, today we are going to ha- bring um, the first of several parts of um, emotional eating, and we are going to um, sprinkle them out over the next, you know this season, season, next season. I mean, we'll, you know, it's, we're not just going to hit it all right now because there is, there's so much to it. Um, and so before, you know, we, we started recording, um, we kind of chatted about some of the things that we wanted to cover. And I think it's really important that one of the very first things that we acknowledge about emotional eating is that we really need to know the difference, um, between physical hunger and emotional hunger. I think that that's, yeah, that's something that's really important. So physical hunger. Okay. When you're physically hungry, your body is hungry. It's something that builds up slowly. Um, it's triggered by your body's need to eat, to sustain proper body function. Okay. Having surgery does not change the need for food. It changes the amount of food and it changes when you feel physical hunger. But the need for food, that physical hunger is, is always going to be there. That's a, that's a good thing. Emotional hunger, however, it comes in fast and furious. It's sudden and it's typically triggered by um, like a psychological event. It's triggered. Um, it's a learned cause and effect. It's due to an emotional event. Um, And then that event causes a craving, which then causes the overwhelming need for a particular item. Um, So for instance, physical hunger, like I said, comes in gradually. Emotional hunger, fast and furious. Physical hunger can be satisfied with any food, okay? Any number of things. Whereas emotional hunger causes very specific cravings. Like I want something salty. I want pizza. I want ice cream. Oh dear me. So where are the brownies? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Like, and for me, it's where's the ice cream. So, um, physical hunger. Once you're full, you're probably going to stop. Okay. Because we do, but if you're emotionally eating, you eat more than you typically would because you're trying to do away with that emotion tied to that event. Okay. Um, here's, here's one that is, and then I'm going to kind of turn things over to you, but physical hunger does not cause feelings of guilt, but emotional hunger almost always is accompanied by feelings of guilt afterwards. So what say you, Dr. Kristen? (laughs) Um, I would say there are, um, you know, there are so many reasons, I I think. And again, some that I'm probably not even going to talk about today because they haven't even occurred to me today. Right. Because I have a basic, um, I mean, I have a broad understanding. However, when I'm in my practice, I see what most people struggle with. Yeah. So when it comes to emotional eating, first, I'm going to talk to like what I would call like the blocks to healing or like the reasons behind emotional eating is, and, and I'm going to give you guys a list. So habits or habitual eating. So some of which are people attribute to emotional eating, Mm -hmm. uh, but it could actually show up as what we call head hunger. Uh, or habitual eating, which is every night at nine o'clock, 
I'm eating nuts. Every right. night at nine o'clock, I'm eating X. Every so, time I sit down in front of the television to right. unwind from my night, from my day. Yeah. So there is, that is conditioned eating. Yeah. Right. There's, that's conditioned. So what we learned from behaviorism is Pavlov's dog, right? So every time you sit in front of the TV, you've, you've been conditioned to eat. So in order to, you know, recondition yourself or unhook the television, it's to create an alternate activity. Right. Right. That, that is pleasurable. Because you're going to experience that discomfort when watching TV because your brain's going to go, I need something. I need something. Yeah. yeah. So there's that conditioned. Other habits, however, are, it's not just nighttime eating, uh, but other habits are when I do X, I need something to eat. Or it's habitual in terms of the time of the day or created certain habits. Like whenever I'm on my way home, I need to eat something. Or right. when I walk in the door from work, that's a very, of course, now we're in the middle of COVID. So not people aren't doing that yet. It's needing that transition time to transition from who you are as a working individual to being at home. Right. So we need some key transitions there because it can be a habit of, Oh, I need to calm down. Yet there's not a thought process necessarily of, oh, I need something to calm down. I'm going to food. There are 10 other things that one might choose, yet that seems to be the most convenient, but could also be the most conditioned. Interesting. Okay. Makes sense. Right. So there's habits. And so when you walk into your doctor's office, and I don't necessarily mean bariatric surgeon, even your primary care. You walk into your primary care and the doctor says, Ooh, diet and lifestyle change, diet and exercise, yep. lifestyle change. They don't give you specifics. They don't tell you how to do it. They, just tell they don't you tell you do how to do it. And they don't necessarily say, because again, this, this was me for many years before surgery. They don't say, are you seeing a therapist? They don't right. say or ask, are you emotionally eating? They just look at you right down in the book you know, okay, diet and exercise, you've got to lose 30 pounds or however much it is. You got this. Okay. So, you know, you've just got to do it. And they're very matter of fact, because it is, it's, and it's an uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm. I think weight is, is an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but it's been made very matter of fact. They also don't ask. And here's some other things that I have on my list aside from habits, but can also impact habits is the ACEs study, adverse childhood experiences. The ACEs study um, is, has been profound for our era, so to speak, mm -hmm. because people who have grown up as, who are now adult children of alcoholics, who worked, who, sorry, grew up in an alcoholic home, or who have had physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, some form of childhood trauma, neglect, um, their nervous system is hardwired very differently than individuals who have not had trauma in their childhood. And so the reasons that they're eating is, is very likely due to eating is soothing and it yeah. activates the parasympathetic nervous system because you can only digest food when your body's in that parasympathetic nervous system. So, which, which by the way, and, and to get off track, but to come back on, on track, I am not a medical doctor. However, what I know from the uh, <clears throat> education that I've received in the trauma work, the, in trauma, your body can only digest food in parasympathetic. If you are in a state of fight flight, meaning your body's in the sympathetic nervous system and you go to eat, you're in fight flight, you're stressed, you're anxious, right? right? The adrenals are going, cortisol is going and your body doesn't flip over to the parasympathetic. If your body doesn't flip over, then the, your blood will stay in your extremities. It won't go to your stomach. 
where it's needed to digest. Right. right. And so you will get acid reflux. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm sitting here, I'm like hanging on every word. So I'm sorry, I'm not talking a whole lot, but I'm like glued to you right now. (laughs) Here's the thing. thing. I see a bunch of sleeve patients who are getting, um, I want to say rerouted to R and Y because of acid reflux. Yep. This is, this is a theory and it's a question. This is by no means, I'm not a medical doctor. This is a question. What percentage of those individuals have an, um, an over, I don't know if I want to say overactive nervous system are not getting thrown into parasympathetic. Right. And even though they're taking heartburn meds, I'm shaking a bottle for effect nothing happens. Right. I don't know because the doctors aren't asking that God love them. They may not even know because they're in their own lane. Right. Right. So how many people need trauma therapy as opposed to a revision surgery, as opposed to a revision surgery? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. This is more of me asking the question publicly. Like it's kind of a, hmm. Kind of a hmm. Yeah. Because again, what we do know is that there's a big portion of sleeve patients who, who do get acid reflux. I've had it lightly intermittently throughout my seven years. Post- I wonder if anybody's done a dissertation on this. I bet. I don't know. There, I, I'm curious Yeah. on yet when you follow someone, you know, what questions are you asking? Because, you know, it's, you don't go around saying, Hey, Patricia, have you activated your sympathetic nervous system today? <laughs> How much have you been in fight flight today? <laughs> you know, nobody goes around talking like that. And no, so no. when you are more stressed, if you are not able to calm yourself down, through alternative means. And let's say you are only using food because many people who've experienced childhood trauma, I have um, a friend, she's not a client of mine, a friend who had bariatric surgery and her entire childhood, her mother got food from the food bank and they primarily had cake. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I know I've talked about it in my group because that's what the food bank had cake, carbs, cookies, chips. And her mom would buy, because they were so poor, her mom would buy milk and freeze it. And they didn't have a lot of food. Like she remembers studying by candlelight and having to go to the library by candlelight. So when you've had this childhood of lack and potential for some people, negligence for some people, trauma, you know, and, and then you give them CBT skills so cognitive behavioral skills, it does not work because you need more body work. Right. Okay. So there's that. Then we have, go ahead. So that ties in. And, and again, this is one we, we talked about earlier there in scientific world journal, there's this article on emotional eating. It's a virtually untreated risk factor for outcome following bariatric surgery. And one of the things that they say in that is that emotional eating or eating in response to emotional distress distress has been found to precede and follow bariatric operations and has been identified in many surgical programs as a risk factor for poor outcome after bariatric surgery. So it's, it, it, it's, Clinical interviews with patients before and after show that it's a crucial factor that, you know, unless um, patients are dealing with um, those, you know, those overeating skills, those coping skills with emotional distress, that they're at a much higher risk of failure afterwards because they haven't dealt with those issues that they had before the surgery. So that ties directly into it. You know, and it also made me think. So, and, and, you know, and, and my clients kind of know, I mean, there's a lot of stress going on in my life right now. I've never had reflex in my life. And like the past month, I've had a couple different episodes and my stress level is through the roof on certain days right now. 
I, it's just like, that's why I'm like hanging on every word. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, and, and if I think about it, the time that it's happened, it's been because there's like this virtual shit show going on behind the scenes. So, so you need not necessarily do that therapy. Me. (laughs) (laughs) What you need are not necessarily to, okay, Patricia, we need to find another another tool for you to do what you need is to actually soothe your body in that moment and actually so it's not necessarily a mind-based therapeutic intervention or coaching intervention yeah what you need is almost like a somatic intervention or a body work intervention that's going to pay attention to it now i'm going to pay attention to and and really kind of make note of if if it happens again what's going on because now i have an awareness it's like you don't know what you don't know you don't know what you don't know. And, um, and, and I have a client and she'll know who she is when she's listening, (laughs) who had a very stressful encounter in July when her mother-in-law moved in. And all of a sudden it was, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, reflux. Yeah. And it's, all stress. All stress. Yeah. Wow. It was all stress. And so those are the things that when you're then on top of that stress that we're already feeling. Correct. Let's throw in the fact that we're trying to soothe our emotions with overeating. And then there's shame. There's a shame spiral. There's the shame. There's blame. Yeah. Another quote is unless an emotional eater finds a way to make peace with their internal distress warnings, the unconscious compulsion to overeat will win out time and time and time and time again. So are you, I mean, all of a sudden I'm making all these connections between like the, the stress induced reflux and, and everything that goes on with that. And then of course, when you have the reflex, you're most likely overeating because that's another, okay. My mind is blowing right now. Right. So, well, let, let me keep going and then we'll, we'll circle back. Okay, yeah, we're good. There's, there's trauma and then you have attachment. So attachment theory, like there's, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, like when you look at, there's a quadrant, if anybody wants to go online and you look, you just Google attachment styles, right? And so when you're looking at attachment styles, you have secure, dismissive, avoidant, anxious, preoccupied, fearful, avoidant. And you can look at like the quadrant of attachment. This would just be basic for anybody. So when you're looking at attachment, how we respond to things and others in relationships has a lot to do with our attachment style. The attachment style is formed based on how um, we were responded to by our primary caregiver in the early years of life. So when you look at the attachment styles, you know, secure attachment can trust fairly easily, is attuned to emotions, can communicate, um, upsets directly, leads with cooperative and flexible behavior. An anxious attached has a very sensitive nervous system, struggles with communication, their needs directly. They tend to act out when triggered such as like making apartment a, a partner jealous or can be, uh, and th- this is my interpretation, can be a lot more passive aggressive because they're attempting to be protective of themselves. And then an avoidant dismissive downplays the importance of relationships is usually extremely self-reliant. So they appear to be very independent, can become more vulnerable when there's a big crisis. Um, avoidant fearfuls are more dependent in relationships um, than the um, avoidant dismissive. They strongly fear rejection, have a lower sense of steam, and has high anxiety in relationships. What does this have to do with eating behaviors? Okay, Kristen, so you're telling me this. What does this have to do with eating behaviors? So here's the other thing. When we eat, right, what, it, what are we eating in response to? Usually, again, trauma and attachment a lack of um, security or safety. So uncertainty, right? Anxiety in general. And if you don't have a secure attachment from the get-go, it's like your your, um, 
frustration tolerance or stress tolerance is, is decreased. So what we're doing with a lot of um, our clients that are depressed and anxious is we're doing our best to raise their frustration tolerance by giving them skills and tools, right? right. Coping skills right. and coping tools. However, when let's say, you know, COVID, um, election anxiety, full moon, family stressors, potentially a divorce, you know, moving cross country, um, a loss of a job, a change of a job, right? Like we could throw all of that stuff in there and again, different people. And if they have a foundation of an insecure attachment style, you know, any of the, where they're not secure. So the opposite of secure, you're then basically, um, like triggering all of these, all of these things that go back to childhood. So this is why when someone says, why can't I handle emotional eating or why is it that I'm continually to emotionally eat? And you see someone out there that goes, your big answer to emotional eating. I have the secret formula. It's like, guys, like I should shake my head because there I, and I said this, um, like last week in a, in a post in my free Facebook group, there is no magic bullet because there is no magic bullet because even for the folks that are on appetite suppressants, at some point you're going to get off of appetite suppressants. Yeah. And I say that with love. I do not say that with criticism in the least. If you do not deal with what hurts you, you will bleed on people who didn't cut you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I love that quote. I like that. You've never heard that? No. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this, we've got, we may not be, there's that other saying, we may not be responsible for our trauma and yet we're responsible for our healing. Like, yes, like there, you may have had a really shitty childhood and I totally get that. I mean, I totally understand. I have my own childhood stuff that I've spent years in therapy working on myself, which is why I'm here. Okay. <laughs> I think it's like, you know, it takes one to know one, you know, you, you have baggage and you work through it. Right. So it's like, I, what is it? Um, I, I had talked about this the other day that that word namaste means like, the divine in me honors the divine in you. Like that's the whole meaning behind it. It's like the hot mess in me honors the hot mess in you. (laughs) Like I can totally relate because it's like, been there, walked that path. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when we're, when you have all of this stuff, you get to the threshold, you get to this point of, you know, your world exploding, you get to overwhelm and anxiety. And now it's not just, Hey, I need an anxiety therapist, or I need to go see a depression therapist because, um, and I had, I had trained on this not too long ago where you have depression and you have anxiety and there's what I call like internal, um, depression, anxiety, which is, which is, um, when I use that term, I categorize it as, the, the chemical imbalance, right? Where internally your life could be amazing on the outside and yet your set point is still lower. It's lower. Right. And so, whereas ex- people who have external factors like, and, and it could even be temporary, it right. could be, right? Where it's like, oh, my, my life is a, you know, crap hole right now. I just got divorced. My kids don't want to talk to me. Um, you know, I just changed jobs and I'm not getting paid enough. And so when there's this situation, once the situation changes, right? So I had, I had shared, I was on depression meds most of my twenties because there was so much turbulence. And then it got to a point where I no longer need, needed the depression meds. This is just an example. And there's some people out there that for um, a phase in their life, they may need it. And there's other people that need it throughout their entire life, right? Yeah. So individuals who may have bipolar disorder. There's or, lo- yeah, there's lots of reasons. There's, there's lots, lots of reasons, reasons right? So, right, and I'm not, right. I'm not going to go down right. that rabbit hole. Right. But my whole point is when you 
have gotten to a point where you don't know how to utilize um, the skill set because it's triggering childhood trauma or attachment issues, then that's when you definitely need the therapy because the eating stuff cannot even get touched. It's like, because you can't even think about not eating the Doritos or the Cheetos or whatever it is, or the going through the McDonald's drive-through or putting down the Coke because you are in such an intense emotional state that it's, it's become so overwhelming. And that's when it's like, not just then yet that that's really a trigger of there needs to be some therapeutic interventions to help someone cope with whether it's trauma or attachment styles, because you can give them the tool and they leave the office, but they really need some internal, like that body work. That, that getting into their body because there can be um, almost like a dissociation of emotions or they detach from the emotions because the emotions are so painful that they're just, you know, stuffing it or shutting it down right, and right. that's where the food comes in. And so they don't know how. So then there's this helplessness, right? So then positive psychology brings in learned helplessness where they get into this pattern of, I can't change. And it's like, no, 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 you can change. And yet this is why a personal prescription for each person is needed. There is no, and hear me, I'm saying this very slowly, hear me when I say there is no one size fits all because one person may need EMDR for trauma. Another person may need more somatic body work and CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Another person may need some distress tolerance skills and DBT. And it's literally like you have this basket and it's like, it's not like, and, and you get a tool and you get a tool and you get a tool. It's, it's not the same tool. It's, they all need something different because of where they've been, how they're using food to soothe and so on and so forth. So the last thing I'm going to get to is those who are filling the void or lack fulfillment in their lives, not a result as a result of trauma. Like you see people who are like, Oh, I didn't start gaining weight until I was in my thirties after I had kids and no, I'm not really happy in my life. And I'm really, I'm largely unfulfilled. I'm not happy with how things are going and I feel stuck and I've hit a brick wall. So they, these individuals don't necessarily need the trauma work. They don't necessarily have uh, issues with attachment. Their stuff may be that they're using food to get out of, to escape an uncomfortable situation a situation that they feel powerless over or that they can't change. And so again, this is where they need a different skill set or tool set. And so everyone needs tools, everyone. It's just the actual um, treatment plan that each person needs is different. So based on what it is that based on what it is that they come in with and again, this is why I'm such an advocate for bariatric patients getting therapy in addition to the coaching, because I love to say to my clients, Hey, go take this in the therapy and work on it. And because again, we're not omnipotent. And so at all, and there are things that a therapist has picked up on that I've missed. There are things that I've said, Hey, I'm picking up on X, Y, and Z. I want you to take this to your therapist and see what they think about it. Yeah. And so then we have a team and when you have, you know, same thing with you where I'll say, Hey, you need to go talk to Patricia and, you know, talk to her about this food thing because that's, that's not my thing. right? Right. So where, when you have a team that is helping support, again, you get farther faster because it's that whole thing of like four eyes is better than two, you know, on a project. Right. Yeah. And then also having somebody do one set of interventions versus another. This is another reason why I've gotten away from therapy and I will refer out for therapy 
because I, I do, I am really good at what I do. And there's a therapist who can do the deeper trauma work that I'm not, that I'm not going to do, especially with someone. I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not doing therapy across state lines. That's for sure. Yeah. That's not, that's a no, no, you know, but they do the therapy and, and they're doing this deep, intense work. And then they're going, ah, oh, I found out this. And it's like, okay, great. Here's a coaching tool. Right. Now let's work on that. Right. Let's work on that. I mean, and it's the same thing with, you know, you go to your bariatric surgeon for your follow-ups and they're like, well, you need to be doing this. So do this. And then you're like, they pat you on the head and shoo you out the door. And you're like, how do I do that? So, you know, identify having a therapist, identify core problems. They then bring them to you and it's like, okay, now how do I do that? All right, let's work on it. I can do this. I mean, so yeah, we both do that same thing. So, you know, people come to me all the time. It's like, my doctor said to be doing this. I'm like, okay, all right, let me teach you how, you know, so let's, let's, let's figure out how to do that. So yeah, Yeah. we have the time to do that. And therapists and doctors and nutritionists don't. Right. So. So when we're talking about what the blocks are, right. So like what the, what the issues are now let's go to, right. Some, some different, um, suggestions for, for help. Okay. Well, some people may need to get into therapy, right. Right. Probably some people listening that are like, okay, she's talking about me. It's time to make that phone call. Right. Um, if you are looking for a therapist, I, I will advocate, and I just want to give this, this is not necessarily a promo to go find therapy. However, don't just settle for the first person that you meet, um, even right. though they may be who you're looking for because of their credentials, you may need to interview a couple different people. Rapport is so, so, so important. If you don't have rapport with someone, um, you're likely not going to trust them and trust is so important in the therapeutic process. So I would just say, um, and I've said this in my book too, I know that a lot of people are like, oh, I want to use my insurance. And yes, I understand. However, if you don't have a good rapport with them, it's also another kind of like trigger. So I think that's important that um, if you're able to find someone in network that works great, if they're out of network, that um, you do what you can to connect with who really fits for you. That's most important. It is an investment in your long-term health. And you can also see if you can pay for it with an HSA. So other things, um, CBT tools are great. Cognitive behavioral tools, which are important, which are basically changing your thoughts and patterns with food changing your behaviors around food. Now, if you're triggered in your body, there's some other, you know, safety tools that are needed in order to calm your body down, to calm your nervous system down, which would be d- very different from the heady stuff. Right. You know, the, right. The cognitive behavioral. You know, and I think that that's definitely another episode to get, oh, I, definitely I, I, another episode. Yeah. Yeah. I want us to dig a little deeper into that. Cause that's the part that I'm super fascinated about because, you know, a lot of, you know, we, you were talking about, you know, being on depression and anxiety meds and I was for, you know, for 20 years, I was on depression and anxiety medicine. Um, I mean, debilitating, it, it was bad and coming to find out it was all situational, but there are, I have definite emotional responses now, years later to that trauma, if something feels the same that it did then. And that anxiety yeah. comes back and that, that yes. those feelings of helplessness and depression come back. And it's been years since I've been out of that, you know, particular situation. Because the trauma is held in your body. Right. Trauma is that's where it's right. I mean, it's like, I, my old therapist said, you know, Patricia, it's almost like PTSD. Oh yeah. It's, you know, even though you've left that part behind and we've dealt with that and you're in a much different place now, if something comes up now that feels even remotely different, it's going to trigger that same response again. Yeah. You know, and which then leads me to 
you know, the high stress, the emotional eating. So, I mean, I get it. I mean, you're, and again, it's like, I feel so bad because I'm just like sitting here watching you talk <laughs> because I'm like hanging on every word because it's so, it's so relevant to us. And I think that, you know, and that's, that's one thing I, you know, had a conversation with one of my clients yesterday and she's like, Patricia, before we hang up, you know, our coaching call, I just want to tell you, I've been listening to the podcast and oh my God, I mean, you have no idea the impact that you're making in people's lives by doing this podcast. You know, she said, because not only do you work with us all the time, but you get it. You and Kristen both get it because you've, you know, you've dealt with many of the issues that you're, you know, talking about. And I think that that is one of the things that makes us as a team so powerful is, you know, God, we bring in all our life experiences and all our work with our clients. And I mean, all into this mix and, and, you know, thank the Lord, thank the heavens, thank, you know, the universe, yep. thank whoever you want to thank for giving us the tools that we, that we have to be able to extrapolate from that and, and give it back to you in a meaningful, you know, in, in a way that can help you, you know? Well, and, and if you had asked me 10 years ago, that I would be working in weight loss, I would have laughed in your face. Oh my God. I would have thought Absolutely. that you were crazy and laughed in your face. Yeah. And I remember like- I was going to be a college professor. Huh? I was going to be a college professor 10 years ago. That was my thing. I was working on my PhD to be a college professor. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? And look where we are now. <laughs> That's awesome. I, um, I look at- thinking about 10 years ago and just being as big as I was like, that's what I, that's what I remember. And just asking and praying, like, why do I have to go through this? Why is my body like this? Like, why, why, why? And there was obviously a reason for everything that I went through. Everything. And I remember struggling and thinking, I don't understand. And clearly now, um, I'm walking the path of, (laughs) okay, now I get it. Okay. You know, here's your sign. Okay. I get it now. And yet we don't know how life unfolds. So if this is a segue, right. If this is a, if this is a little mini segment into, you know, um, Yes, we're all going to question why, you know, why are we here? Why can't I lose whatever, whatever. And yet it's not like we've got to get out of the blame, shame spiral. Yeah. And that leads to more emotional eating. So when you shame yourself for having an emotional eating episode, you end up feeling more depressed, feeling more anxious, feeling more powerless and out of control which then leads to more emotional eating. So it's, it's a cycle. However, I, I backtrack and also say that you're going through this, although you may not think, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, ask, how might this be happening for me? This situation, I'm a big believer that situations that we go through as hard as they may be are meant to teach us more about ourselves when we are allowing ourselves to gain the learning from it. We have to receive the lesson. We have to receive the lesson. Otherwise we're destined to repeat it. Right. Right. And so learn from it to learn from it. And I think that's another big piece is looking at, you know, when people continue to hit the brick wall, at some point you've got to ask, okay, what are you missing? What's Mm -hmm. the missing piece here? Because you getting the answer to the emotional eating um, roller coaster or whatever you want to call it, you getting this answer. And, and here's the other thing that's, that's powerful that I've heard at least three times this week. Information does not equal transformation. Mm-hmm. Information does not equal transformation because I could give someone their pathway, their secret code, which may be, hey, person, you need to go and get some EMDR therapy. And 
I also want to see you working on, you know, A, B, C, D. These are your prescribed tools and come back. If that person comes back and is like, dog ate my homework, I have done nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. We just gave you the tools. You have to, right. Actually take action. Right. And participate, be a willing participant in your own journey. Yes. You've also got to be ready to change and to deal with the gunk or the junk, to deal with the emotional wounding, to deal with the stuff that comes up. And this is also where I talk about readiness in release your regain. If people are not ready to deal with their emotional baggage, Mm -hmm. then there may not be, it's, it's not just, which I think is amazing, but it's not just prep the plan, you know, make the plan you know, which I think is amazing. Take the plan, prep the plan, follow the plan. Right. right. That for many people is enough. Yeah. For well, those that's a piece of it. That's a piece of it. Yeah. However, if they're not willing to participate or take action on that for whatever reason, excuses, trauma, denial, not not being ready, not willing to do whatever it is, yeah. give up the sugar move their body, go to a therapist, do the work, set 15 minutes aside for themselves during the day. If they aren't willing to say, I'm here, I'm present. Yes, it hurts. It's a struggle, but I'm here, you know, doing it. Then it's, there's not much we can do. Right. Because I can only meet you halfway. I can only, any of us, and this is the doctor, this is the therapist, this is everybody. So the other pieces, you've got to be willing. It's almost that other piece of you've got to be willing, not just to make a change in habits, but to use the tools. Right. Is to use the tools. So as you're, as you're talking, something was kind of in the back of my head and I'm like, you know what? I think this is something we need to talk about for just a minute. So I know that most surgical programs have, you know, a psychological evaluation that you have to go through, but there are also because of centers in Mexico, self-pay, things like that. There are a lot of ways around that. Like I've talked about it before. I didn't have all that. Um, And I have a lot of clients who never had a psych eval. So if you don't have a psych eval that never gave you any indicator that you might have something you need to work on, you know, how, how can we break this down to the person who's sitting here listening to us going, okay, oh my God, I didn't even know I was an emotional leader. I didn't even know. It's like, how, where do I even start? How do I even identify it? What if it's just a habit? What if it's, you know, how do I know, you know, so could we go to that list of questions that, that I keep seeing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, so you're sitting here listening and you're like, I, I love what they're saying, but I don't know if this applies to me or not, because maybe you haven't, you know, cause I have, Kristen has, we've both worked for years on our emotional issues, our emotional trauma. Um, so we were, we're both very cognizant of the fact that we have things we have to work through that could. I'm still in therapy. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. I, this is not, this is not a one and done. Like no, no. It's even though there yeah. are days where I'm on the other side of the couch. Right. Yeah. So I'm still, I do my own therapy. I do my yeah. own coaching for, for myself in order to continue to up level. And yeah. I ask every therapist that I go to, are you in therapy? Because I want to make sure that they're also participating in, in the their own work as yeah. well, because that's how you know that not only are they still doing the work on themselves, but it reduces transference, projection. Right and all of that other stuff is I want to make sure that you're doing your work because again as practitioners we've got to be right well I mean it's like you don't want to go to a teacher who's never been to a training in 20 years and they're just teaching the same thing they've always done you know you don't want to go to a therapist who's not actively involved in therapy or and and is you know furthering their their knowledge base so a couple questions so if if you're like does this is this me does this even hit me? Right. You know, why do I want to eat this? So you go to, you, to grab, and I'm just going to use the ice cream because that's my nemesis, my kryptonite. So why do I want to eat this? 
Think about the question, you know, am I upset about something? Am I angry about something? Is there something that I need to do that I'm putting off? Um, will something else, you know, satisfy the craving? Uh, simple. Do I really need this? Am I lonely? Am I bored? If you can answer those questions, okay, really answer those questions. And if you come back and those answers are not sitting well with you and you're going, hmm, there may be something I'm not dealing with, something I'm uh, you know, choosing to ignore, something I'm not addressing, then yeah, you probably need to talk with Kristen or find a therapist or, you know, even heck, even reach out to me and let me help you work through that if you're, you know, more comfortable talking with me. Because I know we both have listeners on here that, you know, it's like, oh, I'm listening right, for right. Kristen. Oh, I'm listening for Kristen. And um, talk to one of us and we'll help guide you into where you need to go. But, you know, because I know that we do have a lot of our, our clients are in therapy and are working with you and are working with me, but we also have a lot of listeners who are just coming across us for the first time that are like, I didn't even know I had a problem until now. Oh my God, I have a problem. I need to get help with this. So, you know, there's things that we can do definitely to, you know, to really get down to the root of things. And, you know, when you said earlier, it's like, you know, the prep, the plan, pick the plan, prep the plan, follow the plan that works when all the other stuff is also aligned as well. It is a strategy that helps with emotional eating. Absolutely. If you only fill your house with the foods that are on your plan, then the likelihood of you binging or overeating or emotional eating on something that is unhealthy is going to be greatly reduced. Now, can you still eat too much of a good thing? Yes. Heck yeah, you can. We were talking about protein balls. Oh yeah. Kristen's like, I can't have, I can't make your protein balls, Patricia. I can't have them in the house. I can't have them in the house. So, you know, so you can even overeat something healthy, you know, and because the bottom line is food is fuel. It's not therapy. Absolutely. Okay. And, and this was stomach surgery, not brain surgery. Yes. 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 So, I mean, there are so many things that, you know, and again, you know, we talked about the fact that this is just kind of the, the, let's just broach the, the tip of the iceberg, the very tip, tip, tip of the iceberg, because there's so many more episodes that we can do as branches off of this, you know, but I, I think, okay, so let, let's kind of focus in on takeaways. What do we want people to kind of walk away from this episode with? Um, okay. So I think, the first thing that, because I've wrote, I've written a couple things down. So okay. the first thing is what I call the a, the AP protocol. Okay. Is finding alternative pleasures. Right. So again, creating a list, you know, for your AP protocol, rather than stress eating or emotional eating, what are the things that you can do instead to soothe yourself without food? Everyone, everyone everyone needs a list of 10 things. Yes. And, and it's for other things that you can do to not soothe with food, go right. for a walk, take a, bath. Um, take a bath, light a candle, use some essential oils, um, water with lemon, hot tea, right? Play, with your, play with your animals, play with your animals, right? Take an online class. Right. Take an online class, write a book, journal, listen to a book, right? I have, I have one that's coming out on audible. Anything, <laughs> um, you know, painting, creativity, coloring. So there's so many things I, I had just talked about. I have, um, I wrote an email. I have a woman, um, client who's learning how to, uh, do mechanics for her motorcycle. And then I have a male client who's creating a panula via knitting and he's learning to knit. So again, guys, you can cross gender lines, right? Yes. Have sex. Sex is great for boosting endorphins. (laughs) My husband will love me hearing, hearing me say that. (laughs) If he hears me on the other side of the door, I'll be like, what did you say my name? (laughs) Um, so yes, I, I also have a list inside of uh, bariatric mindset mavens, a whole list of things that you can do to boost endorphins. Um, so that's important, right? So I just what are the things you list? Quick Google search: sixty ways to avoid emotional eating. 
Right. I mean, I just Google searched. So. Yeah. So the other thing is create non-negotiables. So yeah. number two is create non-negotiables. What are your non-negotiables? And so my non-negotiables are, um, so here are some, if I'm going to go or if I need to go through fast food, right. For whatever reason, I know what I'm going to order before I even get there. Yeah. Because if we're going, if we're asking ourselves, mm, what do I feel like? What do I feel like? You need fuel over feelings. Absolutely. You will over feelings. If you are all about your feelings, then those, we are emotional beings. And it's important that we also learn to train ourselves and discipline ourselves because we cannot rely on willpower in that moment. I will tell you that a hundred percent of the time, if I know ahead of time, what restaurant I'm going to be going to, I walk in the door knowing what I'm going to order a hundred percent of the time. If I can pull up a menu online before I even step foot in the restaurant, I know what I'm going to order and I don't change my mind. The only time, okay. As as I say, I can't say that's a hundred percent of the time because once in a while they'll have like a special like a grilled fish or something that I'm like, Ooh, I want that instead. But I mean, a hundred percent of the time I walk in the door knowing what I'm going to order, unless there's something, you know, super healthy on like a special. But. So other things. So I have AP alternative pleasures, create your list of non-negotiables. Your non-negotiables could be also, I'm not going to eat between three and five, right. or I'm not going to eat after nine. I'm like, never going to buy ice cream. Right. You've, you've got to have some non-negotiables, yeah. which are, I need to talk to my family that X food is not in the house right. or that it's kept in this <laughs> alternative location or something. Right. So it's an out, so, outside out of mind. Right. So also, so the next thing is body awareness and hunger awareness. Yes. Yeah. So knowing where it shows up and how it feels in your body. So there are a lot of people that I work with that will say, I don't know how I feel. Also in the Mavens group, I have a whole list of feelings. I have a whole list that you can download. It's a PDF of feelings so that you can tune into your free. That's in my free group. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the files tab. You can come in. And, yeah. and grab that to know how am I feeling? What feeling, what feeling am I actually feeling? And yet then also looking at where do I feel this in my body? So if I ask someone, where are you feeling anxious? Well, in my chest or in my back, or where are you feeling angry? Where are you feeling? And it's, it's interesting because people will feel it yes. in different places. There's some people who will say at the front of my head, or behind my right shoulder blade, always. I get a piercing pain, like right behind my right shoulder blade. And once again, it's not the same for everybody. Yeah, That's the thing. It's not the same. And yeah. so hunger awareness, using the hunger scale, because a lot of emotional eating episodes will also happen when someone has skipped lunch. Mm-hmm. And so another tool that I will give is if you're not hungry at two o'clock when snack time is, you set a timer for 30 minutes. You don't just skip the snack because let's say you skip snack at two o'clock. If you set the timer for 30 minutes, then you can check in because I will see people. And this is where I'll also refer them back to you mm-hmm. is I will see people say, oh my gosh, I totally binged on X, Y, Z at four 30, you know, and it was right before dinner. And it, and it was like, well, I didn't eat my two o'clock snack because I wasn't hungry. So we do want people to tune into their hunger needs Yes, because you get people who are robotically not hungry. Yeah, but there's also, and see, and this is the one place that I'm going to say, but if you are still in your honeymoon phase, okay, yeah, right. Cool, you can't listen to hunger because you're not going to be hungry. You right. have to follow a schedule and whether you're hungry or not, you have to eat. I'm talking like five, five years out. Yeah. Yeah. Five years out, five years out. Yeah. But if you're still in that honeymoon phase, you know, the first, yeah. you know, year, year and a half, two years, you're not going to have, you're not going to have those hunger responses most likely. And so then you have to eat on schedule. It's two o'clock. It's time for me to eat. I'm not hungry. Eat anyways. Okay. Your body needs the fuel because our caloric intake is so incredibly low that we don't have reserves to fuel right. and our metabolism will shut down. So. Right. 
Right, right. So when, so set that timer because then they'll go and then they'll overeat and then they'll shame themselves. And it's like, no, no, no. What are you learning from this? What, how can you practice awareness? So hunger awareness, body awareness, and even starting to create that schedule, which you set up. And I know that there's a schedule in your group too. You have a schedule, you have a, a schedule for when you drink water. Um, so then the other thing, um, that I would have people look at is, are you fulfilled, right? Are you fulfilled? Do you have any issues with fulfillment? Uh, are you eating for fulfillment? If food is the only pleasure in your life, that is a problem. (laughs) And then if it's, if it's, oh, I eat when I'm bored, I eat when I'm this, I eat when I'm that. So we've got to look at what is, what else can fulfill you? And it's not just go take a bath or go for a walk. It's really about light your life purpose and that bigger place of fulfillment. And then that also can sometimes uh, correlate with thoughts and fantasies about food. I used to have food fantasies all the time. My day was awesome pre-op. My day was awesome based on what I was going to have for dinner that night. And I didn't know one. I had, I had gone to therapy. I had gone to nutritionists. No one said, Hey, are you having food fantasies? And literally it was, I was watching the food network and I said, you know, they talk about food porn. Yeah. Uh, After surgery, it's, I just, it's not even in the realm. I, I used, I loved those shows. I never watch them anymore. I never watch them anymore. I never watch them anymore. I mean, that's my world. I create food and I never watch those shows anymore. I used to watch every, I knew every online chef, everything. Yep. Wow. I would, I would DVR them. Oh, oh, for sure. Like whole series. Yeah. And like binge watch them. Yeah. Yep. I I, I, I was like salivating and there was this whole, so I'm pretty sure, you know, the little signals in my brain would light up. Right. And so now it's not even there. So what we need to do is unhook same thing with uh, food as fuel. We need to unhook those fantasies about food and essentially hook them onto a different wagon. Yeah. Where some people want to do 5Ks, some people want to travel the world, right? What are what are those things that you want to do that will fulfill you and start fantasizing about that? That's another reason why I created the Rediscover You journal because people after surgery a year out go, oh my gosh, okay, I've lost this weight. Who am I? What am I, what am I here for? What's my purpose? Oh my God. And then look at our target audience, which is 40 and above. Typically. I mean, a lot of our clients are 40 and above and their kids are growing up and leaving home. So not only are they new in their body because they don't know who they are there, but they're also new in their life is like, who am I now that I'm not a mom, you know, that I'm not. So that's all compounded. Yep. Yep. So these these tools of really shifting thought patterns Mm -hmm. away from food to what really fulfills me. And again, we're struggling in COVID because there's, there's such a lack of connection right now and we need connection. We thrive on connection. And it's interesting because food is the thing that brings people together. However, when you are an obese person, and I can say this from full, full experience. I was never as disconnected as I was when I was obese, hmm. when I was at my highest weight, because I carried shame. I carried blame. I carried guilt. I carried the fear of what people thought of me. I felt invisible. And so I felt disconnected. And so how you create connection isn't by food being your friend because it's a frenemy, right? right. You think right. it's your friend, but it's really your enemy. It's, it's really creating a life that's, you have a life worth living, creating a life worth living and deciding on what that's going to look like. You get to create that life. And that's another um, psychology that I pull in, which is positive psychology, which is using your strengths 
And rather than us just looking at things from a mental illness standpoint, let's look at things from a mental wellness standpoint and look at what you do have going for you. Let's look at your strengths. Let's look at your assets. Let's look at what you already have going for you and what you can do now. Yeah. Look at what you'd like to create and empower you to do those things. And once again, they're going to be different for everyone. Wow. There's so much more we can talk about this. There's so much more. Those are just the basics though. And then in terms of the emotional eating also, the big thing is also slowing down your brain, mindful eating. That's a whole different episode, I'm sure. But mindful eating and really slowing down and being in tune with your food, enjoying your food, because that's a whole other piece which is distractions. God, please. Distractions. distractions. Don't sit in front of the television and eat dinner. Sit at a table, listen to some music, disconnect from the world, enjoy your food. I promise you it's going to change your relationship with food. Just that very simple fact. So emotional eating is um, definitely a dysfunctional relationship with food. And so working to change your relationship with food is important. Another thing that I wrote in bariatric mindset success is if you don't like it, toss it. Yeah. Right. Because I would make something and maybe it was new. And I was like, Ooh, I don't like this old pre-op self would have eaten it. And then been, you know, scrounging for a second, like second dinner almost because I, I left unfulfilled. Right. Right. Toss it and still find nutritious, delicious food. That's why I love your recipes because they're so good. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, you know that I'm not a fish person, so I don't even cook the, the fish because I just know, but the, the things that I know, it's like, it always turns out amazing. So find the things that you know that you'll like, make them and really make it, a, you know, we get to celebrate food once we change our relationship with it. I think that's so important. And as a result, we change our relationship with ourselves because we're starting to build self-trust. We create, again, boundaries with food. We create boundaries with ourself. We trust ourselves. and you can love food. I still love food. You still love food. We can love food. Yes. And it's also important that we honor ourselves and love ourselves and we're not inconsistently in this fight with food. Absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy. Wow. That's what I got. And I'm sure that there's a lot more. There is a lot more. There is a lot. That's where I'm, that's where I'm going to like pause for, for today. That that gives people a good start. And I, and again, I don't want to overwhelm people because I'm sure that there's people who are taking notes like, holy moly. Yeah. I got a lot to do. What am I going to do? Where do I start? Yeah. So absolutely guys. So again, like I said earlier, if you're struggling, if you don't know what to do, reach out to one of us, you know, connect with one of us. We can definitely help to steer you in the right direction and kind of maybe help you create that action plan to get you started. Um, you know, that's something that is, again, we're both very passionate about helping, you know, our members. So, um, you know, for sure, reach out, um, gosh, you know, thank you for listening. Um, it's crazy. So the other day we hit 5,000 listens and I was like, what? That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's just amazing that, you know, we have this platform that we're able to help so many people. So, you know, if you have a group, if you have friends, share the podcast with them, you know, help us get the word out there. Um, you know, if you know a sponsor who, who might be willing to sponsor a segment, please let us know about that. Um, you know, because there is, you know, time and, and money involved in, in producing this. Um, and know. I would say if you know someone who even has not had bariatric surgery, yeah. And yet who struggles with their weight, you know, refer them. Maybe you guys can listen to it together. I think, again, I just remember pre-op having so much weight shame and body shame. And I really want to reach out to those that aren't just post-op, but also either pre-op or struggling with emotional eating. You don't have to be a bariatric patient because the core issues are going to be yeah, it doesn't matter. The surgery is just a tool. I was going to say, because I, I, I would say five or six times a month, 
maybe even more if I kept track of it. I have people who come to me and it's like, Patricia, I'm not going to have bariatric surgery, but I want to learn how to eat healthy. I want to learn how to live a healthy life so I can avoid this. And I know that what you do is healthy. Can you help me? So, I mean, there's tons of people out there who are going to be listening, who are, you know, are paying attention. They're watching this because, you know, the skills and things that we teach, the lifestyle changes, the habits, you know, the, the way to cook, the way to, I mean, all of it, it, it's not bariatric voodoo magic. It's just healthy living, right? Because you've never learned how to do it before. And so, and, and we know, you know, the, the intricacies of what bariatric surgery does to impact those skills. So that's, that's where that marriage comes in is we can intersect the two and, and pull them together. But, you know, what we do is just plain and simple, healthy. I mean, it's just, it's just healthy, you know, mentally and physically. So, Mm -hmm. all right, guys, well, thank you again so much for listening. Um, Be sure to check us out. If you have any questions, Um, you can email us at podcast at mybariatrickitchenonline.com. Um, and we will get your emails. Um, there's also a form on mybariatrickitchenonline.com on the podcast tab that you can reach us there. Um, lots of different ways that you can get in touch with us. Um, you know, in the in the little write up about this episode, there's links to our Facebook groups. You know, please join our groups. I mean, be a part of our free communities. Um, if nothing else, I mean, we both have these amazing support groups um, with just tons of people willing to to help and support. And, you know, we're all in this together. We're only going to be stronger if, if we bond together and, and really encourage and uplift everyone along this journey. So and support is one of the things that every bariatric patient needs. Yes, for sure. For sure. But thank you guys. And we will catch you on the next episode. On the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. The content included in this podcast is for information and education purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your surgeon, physician, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical issue or concerns. Thanks.